Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Proverbs 1 verse 8, listen my son to your father's instruction. Listen my son to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. I'm going to preach today just a little bit, a message entitled, Follow the Instructions. Say that to a few folks around you. Follow. This is a message for fathers. Lord, bless our time together. Break every generational curse and dismiss every generational spirit and allow the Holy Ghost to have his way in this building today. In Jesus' name, one more praise, y'all. Give it to the Lord Jesus real quick here. Amen. You may be seated. I got to jump into what I'm feeling here. Um, it's off my notes. Um, first of all, I told Giovanna on the way to church today that as a man gets older, his voice gets weaker, but his words get stronger. I'm going to say it again. As a man gets older, his voice may get weaker, but his words should get stronger. It's very important that we understand that with experience comes wisdom. There's nothing I enjoyed more uh, when I was a boy than to sit at the table and listen to my dad talk with his friends. I asked my sister the other day how old I, uh, my dad was when I was born. And my dad was 40 years old when I was born. And he had gone through six children. And I was number seven. So by the time I arrived, he was through throwing the baseball. I didn't have the luxury of putting on a glove in the backyard with my dad. He may have done that with me one time. Um, so my brother-in-law kind of took up that role. My brother-in-law was kind of rough on me, and I've got the microphone this morning, so I'm, I'm going to wear him out for a while. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. He spent a lot of valuable time with me in athletics. But here's what my dad did do. He would tell us to get the blue tick hound dogs and put them in the truck because we were going hunting. And we were raised in the woods. We were raised in the swamps of Louisiana. And the most time I spent with my dad, quality time, was wading through the swamps in the marsh of Louisiana in the Ashafalaya Basin. But I'll never forget the principles that my dad taught me. And my dad always felt like a shield to me. I remember the first deer I killed on a deer stand. I was nine years old, shaking with a 410 single shot shotgun with a slug in it, and I couldn't hardly hold the gun still. And my dad put his hand on my shoulders and said, just slightly pull the trigger. And I did, and I watched the deer fall. For all of you animal activists, I'm sorry I killed your Bambi for you. But anyways, we believed in, you know, shooting deer and eating them. Praise the Lord. Um, there's something about the role of a father that is irreplaceable. I was thinking today about 
the man in, in the Gospels that brought his son to, G, to Jesus, you know the man, uh, his boy would cast himself in the fire and he would throw himself, y'all know who I'm talking about? Throw himself in the water. And Jesus had been on the mountain with his disciples and when he came down, this man met him with his son and he said, we brought my possessed son to your disciples. Don't miss this here. And they could not help him. Jesus looked at the man and said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Notice that Jesus did not talk to the son. As a matter of fact, he never did address the son. He addressed the father. Because even Jesus himself does not bypass the office of a father. I believe we have a generation that is possessed because we have misplaced fathers. I believe if fathers would step up and have faith, we would see an entire generation delivered. Are y'all with me? Even Christ himself did not bypass the office of a father. He never addressed the son. He said, if you can believe your son, anything is possible. Lord, have mercy here. So for those of you in here that says, man, I had an unbelieving father, or I don't even know my dad, or my dad left us at an early age, I want to encourage you this morning that you are not without a father. We're going to work on this for a little bit. The word father is mentioned 1,511 times in the Bible. 1,511 times. The word mother is mentioned 299 times. I'm not condescending to mothers. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible has the word father in it over 1,500 times. The predominant characteristic of God in Scripture is that of a father. Hmm. My son this morning, he and I talk every Sunday morning as we're preparing for our messages and preparing for our church services. In my opinion, he has one of the greatest quotes about Father's Day. And here it is. He said it last year, and I had to remind him this morning. He said, man, Dad, that's good. I'm going to put it in my notes. <laughs> He's horrible about keeping notes. The whole Bible, this is his quote, the whole Bible is a narrative of the father's love for his son and a son's love for his father. The quote goes on to say, the central image of God throughout Scripture is that of a father. When God begins to form a nation, he calls a man named Abram. And Abram means the exalted father. When he wants to form a nation to himself, he changes Abram's name from Abram, the exalted father, to Abraham, the father of many nations. Are y'all with me today? So the question is, scripturally, 
is where we're going to come from today. Scripturally, what does the word father mean? The word father means the founder of a thing, the producer of a thing, the author, the builder. How many of you know he is the author and the finisher of your faith? He's a good, good father. If he's a founder, then he establishes stuff. If he's an author, he writes. It's the root for authorize. All my days were written before one of them came to pass. He's the producer. It means to bring into public what was created in private. Before I knew you, I formed you in your mother's womb, and I ordained you to be a prophet to nations. And finally, he's a builder to construct and to restore what has been constructed. I'm going to present to you today just three ideas concerning a father. A father begets, number one. And we're going to talk about that word. A father builds, number two. And then a father is bound to honor. Begets is a word that is not often used in this generation. I, I haven't heard that word in years. A father begets. Matthew chapter 1, when the Bible lists the generations of Jesus, it never mentions couples. It mentions fathers. This man begat that man, and that man begat that man. C.S. Lewis said it like this. We don't use the words begetting or begotten much in modern English. But everyone should know what they mean. To beget is to become the father of. To beget is to make. And the difference is this. When you beget, you beget something of the same kind as yourself. When you beget something, you beget it as if it is you. Whew. A mother will birth a child, but a father begets a child. It seems that men today are better at forgetting than begetting. It seems to me that today men are better at forgetting than begetting. To beget means to procreate and then regenerate by effort. Woo, Lord have mercy. So to beget a thing or to beget someone takes not only energy, but it takes effort. Because it's not just the act of making it happen, but it's living with it through its entire existence. Hmm. To obtain or secure something is to beget it. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 14, Paul writes the church at Corinth, and he says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, 
I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. Boy, that's strong vocabulary. At one point, he's going to tell the church, follow me as I follow Christ. To some people, you would look at that as an, a very arrogant dialogue. But to me, that is the conversation from a very confident man. He knows who he is, and he knows who he is following. Now watch, he said, I have begotten you through the gospel. This Greek etymology gets real cool because it means not only did I bring you about, I brought you along. I had such an effect on you that it created a gravitational pull in you to be attached to what Christ put in me. That's a strong word from this apostle. To beget here in the Greek also means to oversee the continual conversion of someone. Woo. I'm not all that I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. We are all being conformed to the image of Christ. We're all in the process of conversion. We're all in the process of becoming None of us have arrived. And that's the joy of being a spiritual father. And that's the joy of being spiritual sons and daughters. Onesimus was begotten by Paul while Paul, while Paul was in prison. You can read it in Philemon chapter 1 and verse 10. I beseech you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while I was in jail. He was a fellow prisoner with me. I led him to the Lord, and now I'm in the process of discipling him. You know, I really fear. You know, it's hard. Father's Day is not as easy as Mother's Day. Mothers don't usually leave their children. It happens, but not like dads. Edward Lewis Cole said, the curse of a generation is the absentee father. The curse of a generation is the absentee father. I really believe that if we understood the spiritual and scriptural impetus of spiritual fathering, that we would celebrate Father's Day at a higher level. But here's the thing. Spiritual fathers do not get to choose spiritual children. Dustin is my son, if he wants to be or not. He is my biological son. He can't say you ain't my daddy. Because I can show him a birth certificate that says, I'm your daddy. But in all reality, I don't get to choose spiritual sons and daughters. Spiritual fathers do not get that luxury. Spiritual sons and daughters get the luxury of choosing their spiritual fathers. And that's why we have such stunted health in the body of Christ because we've got spiritual fathers raising adopted children that don't want them to be their fathers. And that is a hard adjustment. And that's hard language. 
But I can promise you, if you'll ever come up under a covering, and I love what Paul says, you don't have many spiritual fathers insinuating the idea that God allows you to have more than one influence in your life. What is this good preaching? And y'all, y'all sitting back on me a little bit. I'll pull you forward in just a minute. But let me, let me just, let me just say something to you. Find someone that you will allow to have a spiritual voice in your life. That when they speak, it's like Daddy is talking to you. It's like someone is giving you instruction in scriptural things, in spiritual matters. Someone you can listen to, not only listen to, but someone you can hear. A father begets, and Paul said, I have begotten you in the gospel. Not only did I bring you into, but I brought you along by speaking to you during your conversion as you are becoming more like Christ. Point number one was show good today. Point number one was good. Father begets. That's scriptural. Number two, a father builds. There is the creative power of a father, but then there's the formative power of a father. A father is someone who not only begets children, he builds children. A builder in the Greek, literally means those who construct and restore what has been constructed. See, real fathers don't just build you. They restore you when you break after you've been built. Y'all didn't hear that right there. Real fathers will build you, watch you break, and then rebuild you Lord have mercy, because they love you as a father. And their goal is to see you being built. A father builds. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction. There's that word that comes from the Lord. The Message Bible reads it like this. Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Help me today, Lord. Let me tell you something. If you're setting under fathers that their motive and intention is not to see you being built, you are sitting under the wrong father. A real father will see you built and will see you intentionally mess up to the place that you break your life apart and it's fragmented in several pieces and they will stand right there with you and help you put the puzzle back together so that you can establish a prophetic future for your life. Fathers beget and fathers build and fathers rebuild. Let me get to it. Follow the instructions. I wrote this down this morning. We spend so much time talking, teaching, and preaching about destiny and direction or where you are going and how you're going to get there that we do not spend enough time talking about who you are becoming. 
There's a difference in direction and instruction. Direction tells us where you are going. But instruction tells us who you are becoming. Are y'all with me right now? If you want directions, get a map. But if you want instructions, get the manual. Say it again, preacher. If you want directions, get them out. But if you want instructions, get the manual. It's easy to follow directions now. Just listen to your GPS. You don't even have to unfold the map no more. Just punch it in and do what it says. But instructions don't happen like that. If you want Receive instructions, it takes another level of heeding to the voice of God. Anything that is constructed and does not have instruction has existence but no essence. Say it again, Pastor Rick. Anything that is constructed that does not have instructions has existence but it doesn't have any essence. Anything that has instructions without inspiration has existence, but no enthusiasm. Man, I'm preaching good here. God did not stop when he constructed man. God did not stop after he formed the man. He formed him or constructed him, and then he inspired him. I'm going to say it again. He formed him, then he inspired him. Where do you get that, Pastor Rick? Genesis 2, 7. The Lord God constructed man, formed man out of the dust of the ground, and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. See, there's a difference in this building of men who have been constructed and men who have been inspired. Many of you have been formed by God, but you've not been born again in the spirit. You have the structure, but you don't have the spirit. Lordy, have mercy. After he inspired what he constructed, he breathed into him, Then he instructed what he constructed. He constructed him. He inspired him. Then he instructed him. It's hard to follow the instructions when you're not enthusiastic about who you were built to be. Now the Lord God planted in the garden in the east, and there he put the man he had constructed. He formed. Verse 15, Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, and here's your instructions. Work it and take care of it. Everyone wants the position, but we don't want the responsibility. We want to be called men of God, but we don't want the responsibility. We want our our wives to refer to us as kings in the house, but we ain't doing nothing got the title, you got the form, but you lack the content because you don't carry out responsibility. 
preach in this building, Pastor Rick. So we're constructed, we're inspired, and then we are instructed. What he con constructed or formed now has instructions, which means it has a future. Don't miss this. If you ask God for a future, men, he's going to give you an instruction. I'm going to say it again, guys. If you ask God for your future, he's going to give you an instruction. You are always one instruction away from your answer. If we embed the right instructions. Go ahead and stand up again, Isaiah, because this is good. This is going to make you stand up again, so go ahead and do it. I, I'm serious. I love the way you listen. Watch this here. If we have embedded the right instruction into our children, direction will not be hard for them to find. Y'all just missed that right there. If we have embedded the right instruction into our children, direction will not be hard for them to find. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We want the direction and dismiss the instruction. You can't have proper direction until you've received proper instruction. So when you hold your baby in the altar, Isaiah, and she's jumping and clapping and doing all of that, what are you doing? You are embedding into her spiritual DNA a pattern. When she is old, she will not forget it. It's not you doing it when she's six months old. It's you doing it when she's six years old, 12 years old, 16 years old. Some of y'all are still asking your 14-year-old if they would like to go to church. That is a direction. No, instruction says get up. Put your tennis shoes on. Get your jeans on because we are going to church. That's instruction. And that's the difference in this generation. We got all kind of directions, but ain't nobody giving instructions. And when you do not give instruction to what has been under construction, you can form something that is detrimental to its own design. God, what did you just say, Pastor Rick? God never created one thing without purpose. I'm done. I dare you to shout as loud as you can, follow the instructions. We are busy preaching direction. But my God, if we could ever get preachers to preach about instruction, if we can ever get fathers adhering to instructions, families will easily follow. Woo! A father begets, a father builds. How I'm doing, babe? Thank you. I 
told y'all last week I asked River what my name was. He said, Daddy. You know why I'm Daddy? Because that's all he knows me as. Daddy. You know what you are going to be to people at all times? What they choose you to be. I'll end it with my last point. A father is bound to honor. He's bound to it. What does that mean? Deuteronomy 5, 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord has commanded you that your days may be prolonged. I will say it like this. If you don't have a father to honor, find one because it's important for you to get honor out of your system. It's got to come out of you. If you want long days, you've got to show some honor. That it'll go well with you in the land which you which the Lord has given you. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. And he also says honor your mother. But watch this one. Malachi 1, 6. Here's the assumption. A son honors his father. Let's just stop right there. What does a son do? Why? Because Deuteronomy and Exodus told us that's what a son's supposed to do. So what do sons do? They honor their father and they honor their mother. Watch what it says. And a servant is master. Watch the question. If I then be your father, y'all can finish it. Where is my honor? I don't know what that says to you, but this is what it says to me. Fathers recognize children by their honor. If I'm your father, then where is my honor? That's what he says. It does not matter if it's biological or spiritual. A father will always recognize his sons or his children by the honor they give him. If a spiritual father is looking for spiritual sons and daughters, he doesn't look for ability. He doesn't look for talent. He doesn't look for loyalty. He looks for honor. When he finds honor, he has found his sons and daughters. To have great respect for someone. It's the recognition of one's right to speak into your life. What is honor? Honor is the recognition you give to someone to speak into your life. It's to live up to or fulfill the terms of the commitment to the relationship. You honor the fa father by following the instructions. The next part of this message is going to get real weird. So just put your seatbelt on, hold on. Because me and the Lord went at it about this. My son texted me this morning and he said these words, Dad, I'm crying right now. This boy's 42 years old. I said, over what? You just had a newborn baby. You got five children. 
Why are you crying, son? You been up all night? He said, no. I've spent too many Father's Day without you here in the last five years. It's the first time in my life that I didn't have my father's father with me on Father's Day five years ago, and I don't like it. I said, come on, man, you don't love me like that. He said, Dad, I really love you, and I really miss you. And then he sent me the best Father's Day gift I've ever received. He sent me some Wrangler shirts yesterday, and those were nice. But he sent me this. He said, things I've learned from my father. Do you know how hard it was to open that? Because I knew I'm done. I don't care if it's one or five. If he's learned anything from me, it's going to wipe me out. And he said, the things I've learned from my father, ministry is a life, not a job. Don't ask why. It's about who's telling you, not what they're saying. Things I've learned from my father, I love you because you're my child, period. Always take care of your immediate family. Be generous and attentive to service people at all times. Early is on time. Then he put this in parentheses, even though I still haven't learned that one. And then he said, carry yourself with calm confidence at all times. Carry yourself with calm confidence at all times. Things I've learned from my dad. An insecure man can't be trusted. A conceited man can't be trusted. Look at a man in his eyes when you talk to him. Why? Because they are the window to his soul. Don't ever back up from the work that's in front of you. Bow up on it and get it done. I didn't know he was learning these things. Can I be honest with you? I didn't know I was teaching a bunch of this stuff. Confront whatever issue is in your hand. Never be addicted to anything except coffee. When dealing with circumstances, consider every possible outcome. Don't get married to an idea of how things will turn out. When dealing with people, expect any possible reaction. Don't ever be surprised by what another person is capable of. Boy, that's the truth. 
Mercy is always the best option. Here's another one. Someone owns the atmosphere at all times. Discern where to adjust and where not to adjust. If you're going to be confident about anything, be confident that you are called by God. Can I keep going? It had, by this time, my shirt's wet. My, my wife came and I couldn't even read it to my wife because I couldn't read it without crying. crying. She, here's another one. Anointing is costly and it will expire if you don't use it. Sermons are dug up, not thought up. Dig for a word. Never be a taker. Never owe anyone anything. Everything that belongs to you is a reflection of you. Take care of your appearance and take care of your stuff. I'm almost done. Handle relationships with care and responsibility. They are the most valuable thing we have. And he put in parentheses, that, that one's a hard one for me to learn, Dad. Peace is priceless. It should be the staple of every godly person's home. Patterns are the foundation of a peaceful home. Pay attention to the season you're in. Work when it's time to work. Rest when it's time to rest. Play when it's time to play. Worship and worship hard when it's time to worship. Always move forward. Take another step. Never get stuck. Always grow. Change. Change. Accept. Forgive. Forget. Move forward. And always be intentionally kind to people. But let me tell you something. The Lord said, if I am your father, where is my honor? I couldn't be honored more. Dustin could have bought me a Mercedes. It wouldn't have meant nothing to me compared to that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Dustin got the revelation of following the instructions. Dustin got the revelation of following the instructions. Everyone wants direction, but no one wants to deal with the instructions because it takes a lot of time. I'll end it with this. The best story of a father you'll ever find is the, the story of the, not the prodigal son, but the story of the loving father. The son said, the Bible says he came to his senses and said, if I can get to my father's house, whose house? My mama's house? He didn't say if I can get to mama. If I can get to my mother's. No, he said if I can get to my father's house I'll ask him just let me be a servant because I've disqualified myself from sonship just let me be a servant the Bible says he started home 
where was the father? He was outside the house. I want you to hear me closely. The father, don't get offended, was not looking for the son. He was waiting on the son. See, here's where we get messed up in church. We think if we leave the church that the pastor's supposed to chase us all over town. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? No, the shepherd is Jesus, and he will leave the 99 to find one. But that is not the story of a father. A father waits for a son to come home. Boy, this is good. And the Bible says when he saw his son, he ran to him. And before his son could say, let me be a slave, the father said, my son who was lost is now found. Kill the fatted calf, get the robe, get the ring, and get the sandals and put on his feet. Why? Because I built him and I will restore him. And guys, I want to I encourage you. All of us as men have gone through failures in our life. We have made mistakes with our life. We have broken our life to pieces. But I want you to know that the God you serve is known as an everlasting father. And if you will tell him, Lord, I'm coming back. I just want to be in the house. He'll say to you, my son. He'll put a robe on your back, a ring on your finger, and sandals on your feet. Can we all stand?